Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for on patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to another brand new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTVR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. My name is Mike Wynn, and I am both one of the co-hosts of this purportedly weekly radio program. I'm also the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield. I'm joined in studio this morning by Officer Darren Derby. Morning. Patrol officer, motor officer, dare officer, <laughs> community engagement officer, copsicle. There's a lot going on. Darren, I haven't been in studio with you since before the pandemic was declared. I think you're correct. It's been a while. Uh, it's good to see you, yeah, you too, face-to-face Chief. in studio again. We're also joined this morning by Lieutenant Gary Traversa, Commanding Officer of the Communications Outreach and Professional Standards Bureau. Good morning. Sound engineer extraordinaire this morning. Oh, yeah. We're missing Smart Gary. What happened to Smart Gary? Uh... I think he knew that Darren was coming and in respect to social distancing. Oh. Social distancing. <laughs> All right, let's Darren, pull up the weather on your phone. <laughs> Warm, sunny, yeah. clear. Uh, yeah. It looks like it's going to be a good Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah. Da- Dave, if you're out there, we're having technical difficulties. We're going to need the weather for the break. That's um, a new one. <laughs> that's a brand new one. Okay. Um, look out the window, check the weather, have a good weekend. <laughs> <laughs> It's not okay. snowing. Yeah, at least we can have fun with it. Um, a couple of news we- newsworthy articles uh, in this morning's Berkshire Eagle, but from our own media release Wednesday evening, a serious motor vehicle crash with a rollover at the intersection of Dalton Ave and Benedict Road. Shut the road for nearly three hours while our traffic unit was in. Um, several people transported with serious injuries. Um, you know, that... That is not an intersection that I would say normally we get that degree of of traffic crash action in. It's a fairly well-signed and signaled intersection, but, um, you know, can't get into it. It's still under investigation, but bad driving habits and disrespectful driving, you know, not paying attention will will lead to some tragedy. And that, um, you know, serious, but uh, we're not treating it as a fatal investigation, so um, thank God. That's uh. Please be respectful. Drive safely. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. You know, one one point of safety in this again, it's a, it's open investigation. But if you're going through an intersection and it's in no way is a reflection on anybody involved, just uh, defensive driving. Yeah. Look both ways, even though you have the green. Pay take, attention. Take a glance. Yeah. Yeah. Don't take anything for granted. That's right. Uh, another big news item, and I only mention it this morning because it's germane to several weeks of conversation we've had here. Uh, the Community Development Board approved the special permit for the homeless shelter at the First United Methodist Church downtown. Oh, they did approve um, it. There's, there's some significant provisions and restrictions on it, uh, but you know it's, it's moving forward, and so there's, there's a path forward. The, one of the conditions is that they have, uh, ServiceNet has to continue to look for an alternative location. Um, so... It's, uh, you know, more, more to come on that, but at least we have a tentative plan in place to, as we move into the uh, end of summer and into the colder weather. The only other article I want to uh, reflect on or point, and I got, this, I got this notice yesterday while I was sitting at my desk having lunch, 
and I have to say, it made me very, very happy. Um, and although my the, my personal connection with one of the people in this story is very slight, I, I remember uh, how excited I was at the time when she was competing and representing our town and our county. Um, Boskeski area has been purchased by Milltown Capital, and they've got some significant improvements going on out there. I see them when I'm driving from home to the gym. And they announced yesterday that they've both hired a general manager to oversee operations there, a gentleman who was previously employed by Zor Outdoor Expeditions. But they've also engaged with a representative to kind of be the spokesperson and the forward face of the youth skiing program. And the person that they've engaged with is Krista Sminninger, a local hero, uh, was on the U.S. Olympic team. Wow. Grew up in Pittsfield and Lee. Started skiing on Bosque Mountain. Um, and uh, there's read the article because it's she's she's currently home based out of Switzerland. So we don't know exactly what her connection is going to be. But that was just awesome to see. She's my age. I, I remember watching her compete. Um, I haven't skied in a long time. You know, since I started wrestling. Um, but I was skiing when she was skiing, and you know that's that's just awesome. Hometown hero, so good for her. Uh, great for Bosque, and uh, oh, good, yeah. good for Milltown. So big things happening there. Yeah, I saw that they tore down a lot of stuff. Maybe an old uh, uh, ski lift. So maybe? the ar- article says they're replacing the um, the the two uh, the double chair with a triple chair. So that's happening. Wow. And I'm not positive. I, I'm driving, you know, so I'm looking out of the corner of my eye when I go out of there. So I'm paying attention and driving defensively. Uh, it looks like they removed um, some of the summer recreational stuff, like the water slide and um, some of like the climbing wall and stuff like that. I don't know if that's permanent just because they're getting ready to install this new chair or if they're refocusing their attention um, on winter sports activities. But they, they've taken out a lot of trees. There's, there's a lot of... Well, definitely, uh, it looks like some positive improvements. So, and with the amount of money that's probably going to be um, put into this, looks like they're going to be here for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And if I mean, if you're not a skier, you may not be aware. I mean, Basque is a historical mountain in in the history of U.S. skiing. Right? It's uh, first night skiing. One of the first places that uh, a tow rope was installed. First night skiing in the country. In the world. In the world. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, uh, they used to have the ski trains come up from New York City and drop the tourists what? off downtown, and they would go ski and then go back to the city. Basque is no joke; it's a historic mountain in the U.S. skiing lexicon. There was a, so. a big invention at the time. Uh, I don't know the name of it, but it was a contraption to it's the assist gra- you. It's a grabber. Yeah, it's the tow rope grabber it was yeah. invented locally. Yeah, yeah. That was. I mean, obviously, it's not. You know, this in use anymore. Well, is actually, it? if you go up to Greylock Ski Club, they no, run they have me. Better, yes, yeah. they do. Yep, yep. And, you know, this has nothing to do with the topic of the day, but I'm always proud of this. And I, I when I actually, I'm sitting on, I'm sitting on the board of directors of the Berkshire Museum currently. And when I was recruited to the board during my interview, I shared this story. If I have family or friends come from out of town, when we're allowed to do that, right? We're not, we're not in pandemic. But if I have family or friends come from out of town. I always make sure that one of the places we take them and visit is the Berkshire Museum. And if I'm, you know, if I'm leading the tour or whatever, and I, I don't think it's still open because they're in the middle of this new you know, expansion and renovation. But previously, I would always take my friends to the Figenbaum Hall of Innovation, which 
may not be the most exciting and interesting part of the museum, right? But it's, it's interactive. But I just like people who have not been to the Berkshires to read the stories because we're responsible for inventing a lot of stuff. A lot of cool stuff was created or conceived by creative minds here in Berkshire County. Like, you know, little things like the expansion of streetlights and stuff like that. The cable for the uh, transatlantic telegraph. <laughs> <laughs> so for the rest of the world, you're welcome. All right, let's get to work. So before we came on the air, I told you that I had a new topic that uh, I wanted to talk about a little bit. And that topic is... Uh, Registry of Motor Vehicles, immediate threats. And I have two reasons for wanting to, to talk about this topic. But before we do that, have, have either of you guys found yourself in a situation where you had to do this? Where, you had, where you had to immediate threat somebody? Oh, several. Yeah, yeah. several. Yeah. Um, my most memorable one, and you know, it, it caused a whole lot of pain and consternation, um, was, was my ex-wife's grandmother. I had to file the immediate threat on my ex-wife's grandmother mm. after she... Had a hit and run at the post office. Lovely lady, loved her to death. Um, but you know, just hit that point in her life where maybe it's time to get a ride. Yeah. So the reason this is timely, um, Tuesday night, I'm trying to get some exercise, and I'm out in the neighborhood, and uh, I'm approached by uh, a family member, and I, I'm, I'm sure you guys have a similar thing. If a family member approaches me about law enforcement stuff, police action, I always refer them, right? I'm not going to do it myself. It just it, it makes holidays better, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but so this family member approaches me and they're concerned because they have questions about another family member and, and their ability to drive, right? Whether this family member, given the circumstances they're in, uh, should continue to operate a motor vehicle. And so I, just, you know, I just ref said, there's a couple things. You can go to the registry. You have the most information, right? I haven't seen this person driving, so I'm, I shouldn't necessarily be involved in this at all. You can go to the registry, and you can find the affidavit for the immediate threat. You can do that right online. Yeah. And uh, if, yeah. for whatever reason, the registry's restrictions are such that you know, you're having difficulty or you can't do it, call the traffic unit, and a, a traffic officer will assist you with this, right? So I leave it at that, and um, I don't know, right? I, I didn't follow up. I don't know if this, if this family member did that. So that's Tuesday night. Last night, I'm leaving work, getting ready to drive home. I'm at the end of Allen Street, getting ready to pull out into Park Square. I have come up through the parking lot to get to where I am, and I have watched a woman walk alongside me, basically parallel, and she's now at the crosswalk to cross from St. Stephen's to the courthouse. And it's 5 o'clock, right? It's, it's tra traffic time. And that crosswalk is notorious, right? Yeah. So as I'm getting to the intersection, I'm watching. She's approaching the crosswalk. You know, one car. That one's going to, you know, they're going. Two cars. Now I'm, I'm starting to pay attention. Three cars. Now I'm reaching for my switches. Four cars come through the intersection. She's, I mean, she's in the crosswalk, right? All right, that one I'm taking. So I hit the lights, and I pull out behind this car. Traffic to turn left southbound is stopped for a red light. The light to go west down West Street is green. I get behind the car. My lights and siren are going. The operator of the motor vehicle stays in the left-hand lane, right? I'm, you, you guys have seen my new cruiser, right? The lights in that thing mm. could, could power a city, right? right. No, no indication that he sees or hears me at all. The operator sees or hears me. Down the hill, left down to Center Street. Now I'm chirping the siren. No indication that the operator sees me. 
all the way to the end of Center Street at West Zatonic Street. Now, they're in the lane to turn right westbound. I'm in the go straight lane trying to signal the driver. No indication the driver can, sees me. Can you see at this point the, the approximate age of the driver? It, well, I can see that they can't see over the steering ah, wheel. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I get on to West Zatonic Street. Now I'm blocking traffic trying to get up alongside this driver to signal the driver. So I'm, now I'm starting to get a little apprehensive, right? I don't know what, why this driver's not stopping. They finally pull to the right in the 90 block of the uh, street. I pull up behind them, position to divert traffic around us. They keep driving. So now I'm trying to call in the stop. I'm reaching for my PA. I'm telling them to stop the car. They keep driving. They go like another two blocks before they, they stop. Right, so I finally get the car stopped. Now I'm, now I'm holding up traffic because I'm apprehensive enough now that I'm taking more than the lane that I normally would take because I don't know if this car is going to start driving again. I walk up on the car, elderly gentleman, Obviously has some infirmities. He's panicking, right? Because he's now scared. I'm yelling at him in the PA. I'm trying to make sure that he's not in an active medical emergency. And so uh, I, in, I in, do the encounter. I engage with him. And uh, I say, why didn't you pull over? And his, his first response was he heard the siren, but he thought it was an ambulance going in the other direction. So now I take his license and I go and I, I run his license and uh, I come back and uh, I say again, you know, you, you need to pull over and go to the right and or pull to the right and stop. And he replies, well, I thought you were going or I thought there was an accident and you were going around me. And I'm like, Wait a minute. You just said you didn't see me. Right, so have him pull a number and uh, have the traffic supervisor, you know, contact me. He said, we're going to have to. You know, I have to go back in and write a report, and we're going to have it's just it, it's frightening. Um, and I wanted to talk about this at least for a little bit this morning because it's a hard thing, right? You know, I'm going to have to call my family member, right? If if they're that concerned, it's time, right? And if you have loved ones that you're asking that question, if you're asking the question, it's time. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that's where the majority of our requests come from, yeah, is from family members, because yeah. they can't, and I, under, <clears throat> I understand the frustration, they, they're worried that if they go and tell them, hey, you can't drive, um, then the backlash is going to come right, right. directly to them. So a lot of times it is easier, but, you know, like you said, she, if we haven't witnessed them driving, right. you know, that's, it's kind of, that, that's hard to do. Well, two other things with this, right? So, I, again, I'm not going to identify any of the people, but uh, the, my, my family members sh narrating their concerns to me and uh, share that the other, the other person, the person that we're talking about, is like, they take my license. Do you think that's going to stop me? Like, well, include, <laughs> include that in your affidavit, right? Because yep. yep. that says something. That's usually the response. Yeah. But um, the other thing is, it, from what I gathered in this case, because you no, know, the, the situation that led to this conversation is in this particular case medical, and we can initiate an immediate threat, but so can a physician. Uh, and according to my relative, they asked the physician, and the physician's like, "Well, you know, let's worry about this diagnosis first, and we'll deal with that the next time." And uh, sh then they called, and the doctor's like, "Oh yeah, we should have done that. Like, it's been two months. <laughs> you knew two months ago." So. Um, and the other reason why, you know, the other. Um one that uh, people 
usually don't know about is uh, seizures. Yeah. So if uh, we we had recently run into, uh, we had a bad accident um, on Elm Street, and uh, was made aware that this the driver had had a recent seizure activity within I think like maybe a month, and for whatever reason uh, they did go to the hospital for that seizure from what I understand, but the doctor never filed um, an immediate threat with the RMB, so they were continued to drive. But my assumption is is that. He probably or they probably knew they weren't supposed to be driving um, because they, of because of previous histories. They didn't get any paperwork that said they couldn't. So correct, you know. But luckily, nobody was hurt. So yeah, the, that that's a great point because the history of seizures one is difficult, right? Like we we've actually dealt with that within our staff. Mm. Um, so that you know, you have. You have something going on medically, and as a result of that, you can't drive. Well, that's kind of the job requirement, right? So, so, so um, what? So, uh, explain to the listeners um, the process of. Let's just say uh, we can start with a family that's doing it, or we can start with us that initiates it. Yeah. So, I've I've never actually gone through the entire process. I've initiated them a couple times. Uh, usually, it's our traffic division that has to do the whole process. It's an administrative process. It's, yep. it's not a citation. It's it's not a a penalty or anything like that. You file the affidavit. It's a registry action. Um, yeah. So they, so um, I'm sorry. So like us on patrol, like uh, um, so if we in, uh, you know encounter an operator who we believe. Uh, is unfit and unsafe to be behind the wheel based uh, for whatever our observations are. Um, we have a form that's right. uh, in the station. Um, we print it out. Uh, it's pretty much a direct uh, fax with our uh, report or affidavit um, stating the facts, and we um, send that to the RMV. I- I'm not sure, is that within 24 hours that they look at that? I don't remember what the time. It's quick. It's it's, it's, it's quick. a very quick turn. So then they in return <clears throat> send uh, they fax us a um, immediate threat um, piece of paperwork right. that we're then supposed to serve uh, to the operator. I know in the past we never served them, right? right? But now things are changing. Yeah, they're changing that. Yeah. So well, the the notice that they send us now is not a requirement for us to serve it. It's ah, notice okay. that they've taken action, and then they send they send notification directly to the operator. Um, Depending on the size of the department, and the size of the community, you know, depend your your practice may be to go follow up with that person because there may be some delay in how they get the communication from the registry, or you know, maybe they're living somewhere else and they don't get it at all. And we don't want that to happen, but that's not a requirement. Uh, but it's quick, and generally it results in a um, you know an immediate suspension of the driver's license, and then the appeals process is an administrative process through the RMV. It, at that point, we're done with it, unless they contested and we need to testify yep um, and uh so we recently actually uh was it maybe about two three weeks ago i had stopped an operator and uh, just i'm at park square and i hear the horn blowing and i'm and uh, i'm actually uh in the south street in the northbound lane ready to go to cross park square to north street and this gentleman comes up from west street and he's uh, beside a tractor trailer and he's honking his horn and you know the tractor trailer has the right of way at this point. Um, he's ahead of him, and you know the corner uh, closest to uh, the other side uh, where where we cross. Right, right. Um, it gets a little tight there, so the tractor trailer has to take up a lane and a half. So he's still honking the horn, um, and it obsessively. So I said, ah, you know what, I'm going to check it out. The guy seems like he's in a hurry, but maybe there's a medical emergency. So I finally catch up with him at around the skateboard park, and he's 
uh, in and out of lanes, weaving, no directional. So I finally get him stopped. Um, just I think Cove Street, um, down off of East, and you know I, I approach the driver, young male, seems okay, but a little nervous, and said, hey, you know, you know why I stopped you, and I grab his license, go back to the car, and I run it, and it says suspended, and then I look, and it says um, uh, immediate threat filed. And it had just it had just been the week prior uh, with another one of our patrol units because he got into an accident, um, which um, I guess it was a result of uh, excessive speed. So they filed a, a immediate threat, and we actually had a piece of paperwork at the station, um, but he wasn't aware of it. Right. So I, I kind of <clears throat> you know took that into consideration, got a driver, and just say, hey, listen, you know, from this point on, you can't drive. But it, but again, it comes with all the facts and information. Hey, if you want to um, file an appeal. Um, this is the correct process that you can't have a Cinderella license, right. you know, so it's, it's, it's a little bit of a process. It is a little bit of a process, but, um, you know, again, going, going back to the reason that I wanted to have this conversation today, uh, and referencing what you said, Darren, if we don't observe the operation, it's really hard for us to do anything. We, there's nothing we can report to. There's nothing we can attest to. There's nothing we can testify, uh, but if you have a family member, a loved one, somebody you care about, a friend, and you're thinking about ha asking us this question, it's too late, right? Yeah. File the affidavit. Go to the registry, go online, file the affidavit. Get the process going. Um, and we get that, you know, they don't want to be the bad guy. We right. get that. But if something ever to happen, you know, uh, uh, could you live with yourself knowing, yeah. hey, you know, we should have done something months ago. You know, but we didn't. We didn't want to upset their our family members. You know, so. the, the, the hesitation I think is that that is driving is something that you know people, for the most part, do since they're sixteen yeah. years old or so. It's it's a exercise of freedom, right? And it is it's very tough to take that away from somebody. But it get you know, like you said, Darren, you have to really focus on the fact that other people are in danger. So on the road, and it it just it has to be done. And and to to add to, you know the the comment that well that's not going to you know if you do the immediate threat that's not going to stop me. I think in a lot of cases, family members it's in their best interest, and they do in fact take the car away yeah. and, and you know somehow work that out amongst the family so that there's no access. To and, it. and you hear that a lot from the from especially the elderly. Um, you know that, that have come probably to the point where they they need to stop driving but their usual response a lot of the responses is well I've been driving for you know 85 years yeah. I've never gotten into an accident well well that's great but you know what I, you know but that's their freedom right you know uh, that's their only form of transportation and, and so that that point about it's their freedom it, it's twofold right because I've I've seen this you know not intimately involved but secondarily involved a couple of times it, you're gonna take away in many cases their only ability to to socialize right and they may not have um very active socialize but what they have they value incredibly so whether it's you know picking up a friend and going to the market to get their shopping together or going to the senior center to play bingo or canasta or bridge or whatever it is they're doing um how are they going to get there right and they're they're going to lose that element of their social life and we need that right we need those human connections flip it on the other side you know and i'm not saying that this is the the for primary consideration but family members are always like who's 
Now who's going to transport them, right? Who's going to take them to get their groceries? Mm-hmm. Who's going to get them to and from these appointments? Um, and people are like, well, no, they haven't had an accident yet, right? They haven't had an accident yet, so I'm not going to do this. We'll let them, we'll let them keep driving. Um, you know, it's, it's just you're on borrowed time at that point. So now we have to have uh, Jim Clark in to talk about what they can do. <laughs> All right, so Jim, if you're listening, we, uh, we'll follow up on the immediate threat conversation with transportation options through the uh, Froyo Center. Yeah. All right, um, what else do we want to talk about on that? I don't want to start the next topic before the break. We we can break early, but we're not yeah. going to get the weather. I don't think. So the uh, you know the other way to get to, uh, to have an immediate threat, I believe the RMV can actually file. Darren's it. not done. The, <laughs> the RMV can actually file it itself, I believe, uh, for OTE, which is operating to endanger. Yep. Um, but or if you have uh, excessive citations uh, and whatnot, if they you know, multiple accidents within the same year, you know, I think um, if so, if it's not caught on our end, I believe the RMV catches that. So. So I didn't ask you guys when we started, you know, I, I, I haven't seen you in, st- I mean, I've seen you at work talking about work-related stuff, but I haven't seen you in studio in five months. And Lieutenant, you've had a ton of stuff going on lately. You know, t- what's going on? How are you? Uh, well, the summer's coming to a wrap, right? And uh, took a little uh, uh, R&R getaway last week. It was kind of nice. It was the first one since, I think, last October, uh, just because of everything that's going on. So... The summer, you know, went kind of fast. Um, haven't really done a whole heck of a lot of uh, community outreach on my end. Um, uh, I know posted yesterday the Operation Copsicle actually went out in the community for the first time yesterday um, uh, without having a specific event to go to. But other than that, healthy, um, pain-free, and uh, not looking forward to winter. <laughs> you never do. <laughs> How about you, Lieutenant? I... I concur with you i hate winter <laughs> I, i'm just getting to the point where uh i want to be somewhere warm but um i have to make the best of it you know we were supposed to be in siesta key last week oh um, yeah yeah where'd you end up uh mystic connecticut <laughs> not you know bad. it's still it's on not, the water it's not siesta key but it's not bad mystic is beautiful was it was it busy uh yeah it was fairly busy but you know what you know what we liked about it um i forgot what the beach we went to uh in mystic obviously we couldn't go to um, um i'm not really a fan of that beach anyways but we couldn't go to rhode island so yeah. we, we hung out there and it was actually people were behaving um socially distant you know except for their little family right. you know the pods of families but other than that it it uh restaurants were busy um Ate a lot of ice cream. The ice cream parlors were busy, and uh, we, you know, I heard we, ice cream and donuts. Ah, yeah, yeah. We went on a donut tour. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. I'm paying for that now. When I came back to work, and, and uh, day one, I jumped on the motorcycle and realized that I needed to uh, let uh, a couple of uh, notches out of the belt there. So <laughs> that was it. Was an uncomfortable ride for the day, <laughs> but we're back on track, so we're good. Good deal. Oh. All right, let's uh, yeah, let's take the station break now. We'll pull up the weather on the phone uh, from the weather app. Pittsfield, partly cloudy, 68 degrees. Uh, looks like mostly sunny for the rest of the day. Tomorrow, sunny, high of 71 and low of 51. Sunday, sunny, high of 73 and low of 57. And Monday for the holiday, high of 78 and low of 60. It looks like it's going to be a glorious holiday weekend. So uh, let's do station identification and the PSAs, and then we'll come back and talk about some new new officers. 
This is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. We all have busy lives and we're in a hurry to get where we need to go. While driving, people are eating, drinking, talking, putting on makeup, doing their hair, checking social media, texting each other, all while the dog sits on their lap. The result is running red lights, stop signs, speeding, and finally crashing. Distracted driving is illegal. You can be ticketed or criminally charged. Please share the road and pay attention. Let's make sure everyone gets where they're going safely. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union. Proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal Credit Union with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair, one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people they support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. PCTV and WTBR are committed to serving our community in this difficult time. We will bring you live coverage of press conferences and official statements from our government officials on PCTV CityLink Channel 1303, on the Pittsfield Community Television Facebook page, and on WTBR as they happen and as we are able to do so. Please stay tuned to our channels and our social media for updates on press conferences and other important information pertaining to the ongoing pandemic. All right, we're back. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTVR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, now being simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. If you're just joining us, I'm joined in studio this morning by Lieutenant Gary Traversa running the board. Good and, morning, everybody. And Officer Darren Derby. Moaning. Who I haven't had in studio in five months. Um, so in the top of the show, we were talking about immediate threats, which was a new topic that came up as a result of a stop that I made on my way home from work last night. Um, yeah, just serious stuff. Take, take care of your loved ones. Shifting gears, it's related to community outreach. Yesterday, we managed to have our first virtual coffee with a cop via Zoom. Uh, we were supposed to do it two weeks ago and the day that we scheduled it was the day that we had the catastrophic and complete internet failure uh, both in the city and in the station um and just in case you know you guys didn't realize you too or our listeners or viewers how dependent we've become on tech when we switched over to the voice over ip phone system an internet failure also means a phone failure. So I came in and they're hustling, hustling to get the internet back up because we need it, right? We need it to work. And so they, they did it. They got the internet back up before um, we were scheduled to start Coffee with a Cop. So theoretically we had the technical infrastructure to host the Zoom. But what I didn't realize, not having been through that before, is when we have a when we have an internet failure, when we have a break, when the systems are restored, when Outlook comes back online for email, it receives all of the email missed during the outage before it starts to send any of our email. And so the invitation with the Zoom link was in the outbox, it wasn't in my outbox, it was on the server, and it couldn't go out until after all the incoming email came in and the incoming email didn't finish coming in until like one in the afternoon. So at 10.15, we're logged into Zoom. Wow. 
but the people who had contacted us to want to participate didn't get the invitation until like two. <laughs> so um, we learned a lesson. You just we, thought that nobody was going to, nobody wanted to join in? No, I knew it had something to do with the tech the differences. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought it just meant that for whatever reason, our internet connection was still spotty or intermittent. And, you know, fortunately, I knew one of the people who didn't get the invitation, so they followed up with me. I'm like, well, I got it, but I didn't get it until much later. Like, okay. So we uh, anticipated that this time and got the link out early. And the only reason that I'm using this as a segue is because one of the participants from the department in yesterday's Coffee with a Cop was Lieutenant Dolly, the day shift commander. And Lieutenant Dolly briefed everybody on everything that's going on in the day shift and talked about some of the stuff that's happened. But Lieutenant Dolly is also one of the co-coordinators of the field training program. And so he was explaining how field training is, is really in the midst of it. Four probationers in training who graduated from the academy in June, June, July, yep. June. Um, and 11 cadets pre-academy getting ready to screen in to start the academy Tuesday. And then he asked me the question for which I will forever hold him responsible. And he said, chief, that's it, right? With 11, that's, we're staffed. And I said, I <laughs> said it out loud. Oh, I said it out loud. I said, yep, staffing report with these 11 coming on board. 97 out of 97. It's the first time those numbers have met so since I've been the chief. we can blame it all on Lieutenant Dolly. And 45 <laughs> minutes later, we got an injury report. So instead of 10 or 11, it's 10. Oh. We just don't talk about good things, right? We just don't. We just can't have nice things. Yeah. Well, you know, and we <laughs> talked about in the past that, you know, um, in in previous shows that the percentage, you know, it's it's not it's not normally 100. percent No. You know, so rarely. But that's usually when the academy starts, yeah. and and to have that prior um, hurts a little bit. So. I mean, especially when they put in the, the effort. Two you know? duty days before you're scheduled to start, <sighs> right? And I'm not going to talk about. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about the circumstances they could have, but uh, they've been through. They've been in this process for a long time. So I was talking to them. Um, we did some drill um, in the parking lot there at St. Mark's, and just kind of going you over. You did some drill in ceremony. Yep. Nice. Yep. Yep. Maz, uh, Sergeant Mazio put me on a spot and said, "Hey." You're the only one we got right now that's on shift that uh, is on the honor guard and can march. And so they all met me there at 3 o'clock in their PT stuff. And uh, we um, did drill for about an hour. And then I, right after that, I, wish I think they went for a run. I wish I'd known. Almost all of them went for a run. I'm like, wait a minute. You just did your P. We just did PT. But no, they were ready to go. So, yeah. So we have been in the process for, well, as we've said on previous shows, you know, entirely for about a year, right? I'm trying to remember when I sat down and met these candidates for their pre-screening. And it it was a while ago. <laughs> um, but Well, this group here yeah. um, that, that is starting on Tuesday, uh, and we had discussed that uh, two years, I think. Uh, one of them took, it in, took the test in 2018. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a long process. But from the time, right, so, I mean, from the time they take the test, we know that that can be two years. In many cases, it's the duration of the life of the list. Um, but there's, this is the third group, I believe, off of that list. And so from the time we, you know, quote, unquote, sent the cards and they expressed, yes, I want the job, and we brought them in to go over the application, um, 
it's probably been 14 months, right? It's it's been a long time, um, and so they went through the whole process. They went through their background checks. Uh, we were actually getting ready to um, finalize and send letters in in March as the pandemic hit. Uh, that kind of delayed things a little bit. Sergeant Mazio, he actually came over and saw me on Second Street, and I was just like, you know what? This is the number today. Send this many letters. <laughs> this is the number. Send that many letters. We'll see what happens, right? If, if we don't make it through the whole process. Um, so we brought them in to the station, you know, essentially two weeks ago, right? Monday before last. And uh, they've been doing what, you know, we internally referred to as administrative week or administrative period. It's a period before they go to the academy uh, where we actually you know, bring them on board and start their employment. And that's a process we started several years ago because we realized when we don't start them until like the day or the Sunday before they start the academy and we don't interact with them, particularly either recruitment and selection or field training, uh, even though we can walk them through it, talk them through it, you know, trust them to, to get all the stuff, uh, they they don't generally do very well. Uh, and it's not just PPD, right? The, the, the process of getting all the stuff and all the materials and all the equipment to go to the academy is complex and it's convoluted. And the reality is if you mess that up, you could find yourself quickly in disciplinary trouble at the academy. And we don't want to lose somebody because of getting heaped up with disciplinary stuff in the first week because we didn't inspect your gear, right? So basically, we bring them in, we make sure that everything that they're supposed to have, they have, and that it's taken care of. And it's Not to interrupt you, but a, a quick story. Day one of my academy, we had a gentleman who was supposed to wear um, you know, white, sh- uh, white T-shirts underneath their khakis. And, uh, well, he brought white T-shirts, but he was um, an extra large, but couldn't find extra large, so brought smalls, <laughs> thinking that, you know, he, nobody would notice. But then we had to do our bag dump, bag dump and um, one of the DIs saw the shirt and <laughs> thought he had brought his little brother's shirt. And needless to say, he wore that shirt for the rest of the day. <laughs> so what, what academy class were you in? Uh, SPMA, too. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so... <laughs> Well, he wore it underneath his khakis, but he had to wear it. <laughs> oh, see, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, that's there, his shirt. I'm not on the staff at the academy <laughs> anymore, uh, mostly because I, I ranked out of it. But you know, there's 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 other stories out there. Yeah, I'd have made him wear one under his khakis and a second one on top. <laughs> And I might have made him wear it for the week. <laughs> well, I mean, but but give him the credit because he said, I, I looked everywhere. There was no extra large, so I had to have something. It just says a w- white T-shirt. doesn't right. say the size. Yeah. And, you know, they gigged him for it, but at the same time, I think they probably all laughed. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, yes for taking the initiative, <laughs> bad for completing the mission. Yeah. And so, like, I went down and I talked to this group last Monday, and this, this, is a, this story perfectly illustrates one of the things I tell them. You don't go to the academy to perform perfectly. Nobody expects you to go to the academy and know how to be a good police officer, right? You're there to get basic training, and then your training is advanced in field training. And you don't go to the academy just to learn the material, right? If we just wanted you to learn the material, we could do that online. We could do that in college courses. The academy experience is about finding out if you're persistent, 
it, it's about finding out if you have the temerity and the fortitude and the resilience to deal with adversity. And it's a modified stress program based on the military program. It's not, it's not strictly military. It's, it's much more collegial. But the reality is in a circumstance like that, you can't be right. Yep. right? If they give you credit for complying with the list, they will criticize you for not being able to see the objective. And, and the entire first day experience, the entire bag dump process is like that. My, my big thing when I was on the full time, uh, when I was on the staff down there, you know, the, the list says clear water bottle. But it doesn't say contains water. Yeah. Right. You'd be surprised how many people <laughs> report for training with an empty water bottle. And you know, like my famous quote was the only thing less useful to a cop than an empty water bottle is empty magazines for your firearm. <laughs> right. It's if you would show up with an empty water bottle, you would show up Barney Fife with a bullet in your pocket. Right. <laughs> it, it's not okay, but it's designed to test. But that, because right? they didn't tell you, right. you just, you know, you, you, you looked at it a different way, right? Yeah. Um, and so one of the things we say when we're, we're, I'm teaching staff instructors and I'm at staff instructor school, I say that, right? You're doing the bag jump drill for time, right? And you have somebody who, whatever, they've got previous law enforcement experience, they've got previous military experience, they've been through this modified stress before. And so they finish it. They get their stuff secured and back in the bag. And they stand back up at the position of attention. And at that moment in time, they have two choices. They can stand there, locked on, not moving. Or they can move and help a classmate. And you know what? No matter what they choose, yeah, they'll be wrong. Yeah. yeah. No matter what they choose, they'll be wrong. And we've had people do that. So yeah. you're, helping out, you're helping out that guy. And, and he says, well, who told you you can help exactly. that person? So it's, it's, and yeah. in that moment, you will take the hit. <laughs> And the reason you will take the hit is because the staff wants to see how you respond. Do you get defensive? Do you talk back? Do you try to equivocate and justify? If you do, that tells us something about your character. And if you don't, and you just take the hit and say, no, I, it, sir, I messed up, and you lock it back up, okay, but now we know, you know you've got the character and the integrity, and you've got the care and compassion for your classmate. In my experience, most of those people, the ones who take the hit because they volunteer to help their classmate, eventually end up in positions of leadership within that company, right? Those are the ones that the academy staff is looking at and saying, good on you. You were willing to take the punishment for doing something that was compassionate and empathic, even though you knew it was gonna cost you, you know, and the price isn't high. And, you know, you get yelled at a little bit or you have to write a two from. I used to call, my class called two froms mental push-ups. <laughs> yeah and and that that whole point right <clears throat> in the first week in particular why why do they assign the two firms because the topics of the two firms although they have a training nexus they're not really educational right you're writing a two from about this why do you write the two from we don't assign the two firms because we care about your explanation for the activity we assign the two from because we know when you get home it's going to take you some time and that means you're going to get less rest and the next day we're going to see you sleep deprived which mm -hmm. also tells us something about your resiliency and your performance, right? So, it's there's, there's a method to every method to, to everything. Oh yeah, you know. And but it, I found myself sometimes, you know, just it's um, sometimes you're the center of attention for 
three or four days straight, right. and you're just like, okay, like when when is enough enough? You gotta when are they gonna leave me alone? And then you wait for it. you just wait for it, and then somebody else just takes the light away, and then you just you can breathe finally. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, um, ten student officers getting ready to start their academy career. Ten is a large number for us to onboard. It's also a large number for us to prepare for field training. That's that we've done it once in the last uh, ten years, and it stressed the system so oh, now yeah. we've got to send some field training off and the majority of them i believe the majority of that that class they all made it yeah right? that, I think that so. is the only class i've had a hundred percent completion yeah. rate yeah now the bad news on that is they were so successful that what oh nearly half of them yeah. have moved on to other agencies yep. but um you know it's it's it is what it is so this group big group and when we were talking about you know introducing them and we're not gonna we're not gonna have them on the show until they get through the academy unless you know we have them assigned to us for some portion of the academy um but officer derby suggested we should just talk briefly about you know kind of the diverse experiences and backgrounds so i I think it's kind of important because you know when you see somebody in uniform you know and i think with today's perception you know i think a lot of people think you know well they they grew up you know, like this, or, yeah. you know, they've been a cop all their life. Well, no, not really. I mean, they, a lot of them are well-rounded. I mean, there's some job titles in there. I'm like, wait, wait a minute, what? So the, the other interesting part about it is a degree of education. And before we, um, before we wrap up today, I want to talk about another project that we're in the process of wrapping up internally, um, specifically about degree of education. So I'm not, you know, we're not going to name all of them right now uh, because they, they're getting ready to start the academy, and they don't need any additional pressure. God forbid one of their staff is listening to the show this morning, right? Yeah, this is their pretty much their last weekend off. Yes. They'll still be stressed. For, but it's, for it's 20-some-odd their... weeks. <laughs> yeah, so um, that was an outstanding. So uh, one of the other things about this group is not a young group. Many of them have, have been in their careers for, for a while. But let's just look at this, right? So we've got uh, several in the hospitality industry, right? Several hospitality um, bartender managers, um, several in the construction trades, right? A couple who have served either as victim witness advocates or like youth professional develop or professional youth development advocates, and a couple local, um, a couple local nonprofits. Several who have done previous college internships with either police departments or uh, probation departments or courthouses. Um, two with us. Two with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, one previous experienced police officer, either in a campus environment or part-time. Uh, no, another pri- uh, previous dispatcher. Mechanic. We need that. Yes. <laughs> we need that. <laughs> Which is another... Um, which is another funny conversation, right? Is some of you, you haven't sat in interviews with me, Darren, but mm-hmm. Lieutenant, you have. We ask a question, <coughs> excuse me, during our pre-employment interviews now for the last several years about special skills that a candidate might have that they might, they might not think are of value to the department. And we get really interesting answers, right? But when, when I ask the question, usually I get a blank expression. I'm like, what are you talking about? And so, you know, these these 
candidates who worked in the construction trades, they know things that I don't know, right? You know, they spent a little time working with my hands, but never in the construction trades. And the reason we asked that question and the story I tell them is when we were with the team, we we're getting ready to go do an operation, and we had a, a component of the operation that we couldn't figure out the answer to. We couldn't figure out how to solve this problem. And if we didn't solve this problem, we knew the operation wasn't going to be a success. So, you know, we're tactical operators. We're like, we'll do this. We'll sneak in in the middle of the night. We'll call the DPW. Mm -hmm. We'll have the water turned off in the morning. But, you know, and an operator, a fellow teammate, who was sitting in the back of the room, and they weren't a briefer. They weren't a team leader. They weren't in charge of anything. They're very quiet. And all of a sudden, we've been at this for a long time, probably over an hour, trying to figure out the solution to this one little element. And they're like, well, if I can get into the bathroom and I can hit the toilet, that'll take this problem away, the pressure will drop, and the problem's solved. And we just looked at him like, how do you know that? He's like, well, I'm a licensed plumber. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like, then the question was, why didn't yeah. you say something an hour ago? And the answer was, well, it's not part of my job. It's always part of your job. If you have the information and you have the answer to the problem, it's always part of your job. It's, everybody's a leader. And so now we ask that question as a scenario in the interview, because if you've got real world experience in something, like, you know, one of these guys is a ski resort park ranger. Yeah. I don't know what a ski resort park ranger knows that I don't know, but I know it's something. Well, when, he, when we have something. an issue at Bosquet, he'll be well, able to say, hey. You, you know, know what? <laughs> if we have a, an Alzheimer's patient wander off in the middle of a snowstorm into a rural area, that's the guy I'm calling. Right? He's the incident commander. <laughs> if you know stuff we don't know, we need to know it. You know, you, you mentioned, um, you know, a couple of them were in uh, uh, hospitality, hospitality, right? So, so maybe somebody's listening. Well, what is that going to do? They well, can talk to people. Well, think about it. I mean, as a bartender, I mean, all they do is talk to people, and they know how to get stuff out of people. So, to me, that's a huge asset to have when you're in a when you got a, um, you got a call and you have somebody that's uh, going through crisis. They know how to talk to people. That's huge. Or, you know, you have somebody in the construction. Okay, so may, they might not have the ability to be able to talk somebody off the bridge, but maybe they have the muscle to lift up something, you know, to, to help somebody uh, figure something out. I mean, that's... Or, or maybe they know something about that bridge that we can use to develop yeah. our plan, right? Yeah. And, uh, that's the point, is life experience can be brought to this in a variety of ways. You can't teach that. No. Yeah. To your point, you know, bartender or other hospitality trades, supermarket manager. Listen, if you've been a bartender or a supermarket manager, you have dealt with disgruntled patrons. If you've been a bartender, you've dealt with disgruntled patient, patrons who are intoxicated. Yes. You've probably had to take somebody's keys, refuse to serve them a drink. And you know what? In those roles, when it goes sideways and they're not cooperative, you don't get to arrest them and put them in handcuffs. You have to continue to negotiate and try to talk them down. That's a skill That's huge. we can't give somebody, right? But it's a skill that they can apply. Bar, uh, bartender and waitress, right? Waitresses take abuse probably at a higher rate than police officers do. We're not going to have to teach them what it's going to be like when people are mad and swearing at you. So, But the other part of this is degree of education, right? Associate's degree working on a bachelor's degree, bachelor's degree, associate's degree, associate's degree in occupational studies, associate's degree, bachelor's bachelor's in sociology, bachelor's degree in criminal justice, right? So that's... The, the last group, we had some masters coming in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But not this group. 
not this group. So we'll, we'll work on that. Well, so the last thing about this group before we move into the education stuff is, um, and there's one out of the 10, there is one woman in this group, right? So this will be the fourth class in a row that we've been adding women on, right? Which is uh, one of my goals and something that we've been focusing on. But the degree of education in this group, so as part of... Um, an ongoing project that we're working on at the chief's office called the Police Data Initiative, which is this idea that we can use our website to provide open data, data that people outside the agency can simply access and analyze for reporting purposes. Uh, we had to identify the data sets that we want to provide. And so most departments, uh, that, you know, arrests, citations, contacts, stuff like that, the things that, you know, you think, oh, that's what the police department measures, use of force. Um, but Northampton PD, my friend Chief Casper, uh, they also included information about their workforce. They included demographic information. So as you guys know, earlier this year, HR department, city's HR department assisted me by distributing a demographic survey, which we're finishing coding and we're getting ready to, to push out as part of this. Uh, and so well, not every one of our personnel participated. We got a much higher participation rate than we anticipated. It was you know, probably it's over 80%. Uh, and almost everybody who participated answered every question, although a couple people were just like, you know, I work here and I'm sworn officer and that's all I'm saying right now. But a lot of people, you know, were willing to provide us with a lot of information. And so, you know, we asked the obvious stuff. How long have you been with us? You know, how, are you willing to provide your age? race, ethnicity, gender, gender identity. But then we went a little deeper and we asked a couple more probing questions and, and two of them included, um, you know, if you practice religion and degree of education. And so the, um, you know, we got the information back and there wasn't anything earth shattering. Uh, you know, we, we, we do have more um, officers that identify as minorities or people of color than we often get credit for because many of them are not in front-facing jobs, right? They're in, they're in units that are more in the background, but, you know, the numbers are there. But the one that jumped off the page astronomically was degree of educational attainment. Um, the vast majority of our people have a degree. Um, a huge chunk of that is, is a four-year degree. And the number of master's that we have from a, a comparatively relatively small sample is, you know, I, I believe astonishing. Uh, we've got a lot of people who either started with us with their master's degree, but the vast majority, like myself, who earned our master's degree when we got on the job through the, the programs and incentives that were available to us. Um, and we had a gap in the middle where we didn't continue to provide that, but we negotiated it last year and we put it back in. So that's incentivized a bunch of our people present company included to go back to school um we we have a very educated workforce and i'm very proud of that on that topic darren how's school going uh, i just signed up for math <laughs> and uh criminal procedures criminal procedures yes nice yeah. one i should be okay with <laughs> the other one might be needing a tutor. So. We can get you some help. The traffic guys know math. <laughs> so I'm just, um, you know, it's um, school has never been for me, uh, even with high school and elementary school. I didn't, you know, I was never diagnosed with ADHD, but, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, went through uh, some times in my life and finally put that ahead of me and just, you know, got it done and realized, hey, we can, we can fix this and, and never been able to, you know, sit in a classroom and actually think, you know, never mind sitting here. 
Um, I was just always fidgety, right? I'm, I'm sorry. I have to interrupt yeah. you. My watch is <laughs> nagging me. Yeah. I was about to ask, but I hadn't gotten there yet. For our listeners and viewers and for my wife, who is messaging me oh, as we speak, is she? Oh. where do you go to school? <laughs> <laughs> well, I go to a local community school, <laughs> uh, Berkshire Community College. Um, you know, and um, there's uh, a couple of us, you know, like you said, since... Um, uh, the new in incentive in our contract, we've been able to get a group of us to go there um, and just slowly uh, work towards our degree. You and, know, so it's and this this is a joke because if you're a listener viewer and you don't know, my wife is employed at Berkshire Community College. <laughs> yes, that was a shameless plug. I apologize. Um, well, but it was going to come out in, eventually so, sooner or later. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure everybody knows. Yeah. Just <laughs> just to emphasize and full credit where credit is due. Not just because I'm happy that our officers are able to go seek their education we have an unbelievable re uh, relationship with bcc for a variety of ways we've we've held in service there for a number of years when they were at the federal building they support us when we need space for training uh teach the leadership academy out there when it's in session uh, they're always willing to help us out we get a lot of workforce development stuff through them our spanish program so um, sign language, sign language. It's a great working relationship and we're thankful. Well, for I, you know, and, and as am I. And, you know, I, we have a couple minutes left here, um, but they've worked with us. The school's worked with us. The staff has worked with us. Um, you know, it, it's because of our crazy jobs, our crazy hours. You know, they I think they've gone above and to me have gone above and beyond any time I've requested, you know, a different class for a different whatever reason for my schedule. Um, you know, there's been no ifs, ands, or buts. They said, yep, okay, we understand the hardship, and let's make you know, this happen. It, it, I, I probably should. I don't want to I don't want to violate anything about your student rights. Um, but, you know, I know this, and you shared it with me. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're in criminal justice or some other field. You want to go out there and study whatever, you know, fire science, um, you know, business administration, culinary, when it stands back up. But you got significant life experience yeah. credit for yes. the work you've yes. done as a police yes. officer. And I right? was so. uh, uh, blessed with that. Um, you know, and I think that to me, you know, I, I, I think that shows that on the job training um, can really bring a lot. And they recognize you know, so it. Yeah. All right. So we are just about out of time. Need to fulfill my promise to Mrs. Glockner. Um, it's going to be a beautiful weekend, as we already said, with the <laughs> limited weather report we could provide. And there is a lot going on. Uh, First Friday's Art Walk is coming back, uh, so you can get out there and stroll around. There are great performances still going on, live theater performances from our two local theater partners at um, Barrington Stage and Berkshire Theater Group. Um, let's see what else is going on. Uh, the one important thing, Operation Copsicle will be at the Chalk Fest tomorrow. Uh, it's on Linden uh, Linden or Dewey Ave um, between Linden and Prospect. It'll be shut down from 11 to 4. Operation Copsicle will be there from 12 to 4 with lots of novelty ice cream for free. And you can bring, it's a family event. You can paint things on the street. Yeah, nice. For, uh, chalk. Um, all kinds of good stuff going on. And again, we are just about out of time. So I'm just going to finish up with the message that I've kind of been leaving us with when I've been here in studio. Uh, we're still in this, it's not over. We're not all in the same boat, but we are all in the same storm. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your physical needs, your mental needs, your emotional needs. Take care of your loved ones and be kind. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next weekend for another new program here on On Patrol with the PPD.